Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning. It's an honor to be able to share uh, from this vantage point. And so uh, I count it an honor and, and I'm very, I feel very fortunate. But this morning, I'm going to talk on a uh, topic you don't hear much about, but it's called nationalism and faith. What does that mean? How does that work? And how does it incorporate us? You know, in these times that we're in today, you think things were bad when you were growing up. You hear it was bad from those who are older until you get older yourself and you realize it wasn't too bad back then. It was a lot better than it is today. But how should I feel about these things? How should I feel about the worldview? Should I, in, in this country, things happening in this country right here, should I be passive and just let these things pan out? Should I just willingly conform? You know, even if I'm not on board, if I'm not in agreement with, with these policies, should I resist and push back against the government policies that I think going against the constitution of this great nation so it might be salvaged and, and maintain its dominance in the world? How should I feel about all these things? And I think for most of us here that we are not going to let it just pan out because we know that's not going to work. We're not going to be complacent, but we're going to be active. We realize that, uh, you know, pushing back is, is, is what we should be doing. And, you know, especially with these things going against our Constitution, our, our, our founding documents, especially if these documents are lined out with the word of Yahweh. That's the most important thing. So why are so many people adamant about preserving this country? What is it about preserving this country that we're so adamant about? And what basis do we go against all the injustices that we see and we hear about, the policies that, we are, that are going against the founding principles of this country? What, what's the basis of this do we ever stop and really think about the reasons why we think this way? Are, the, are, are our thoughts in alignment with Yahweh's way of thinking? When people say that they love this country, what do they mean? Do they mean they love the Rocky Mountains, the West Coast beaches? What, are they, what do they mean when they say they love this country? What does any person from any country say when they say they love this country is it the people they love or is it the concept of what the country was founded on is that what they love it's just a question for you to ponder my question is does Yahshua want this country to succeed does Yahweh want China New Zealand Spain to succeed Does he want them to succeed? And if so, for what purpose does he want those countries, or this country, either one, to succeed? What's the purpose? Do we think because our money says in God we trust, or, or we are one nation under God, that we have some special place in history, and Yahweh's bound to preserve this country because of that? You ever think about those things? I think about those things. 
Daniel 2.21 says, Yahweh removes and he establishes kings. He removes and he establishes kings. Daniel 4.17 He says, The Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows on, on, on it whom he wishes and sets on it the lowliest of men. The lowliest of men. Now this Daniel, remember, this is written in the context of he is a captive prophet. He is taken captive, and he's in Babylon. He's not even in his homeland. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, has a stream. And he asked for Daniel to interpret the dream. And Daniel is very reluctant because after he hears the dream, he's very reluctant to interpret the dream because he knows that the dream is condemnation against Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel pleads with Nebuchadnezzar. Think about this. You're in, you're in a captive land. The king summons you. And Daniel's pleading with Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king who pillaged Jerusalem and taken him captive. He's pleading with him to repent. It's kind of a weird deal, isn't it? If you're in his shoes, so I don't know if I'm do that. I mean, he's already, you know, picked me out of my homeland. But he's pleading with him to repent. Daniel, I'm pretty sure, understood that that nation's captivity was a result of Judah's sinfulness, wasn't it? Turning away from Yahweh. That's why they were captive to begin with. Even though there were some good people in Judah, no doubt, like Daniel, uh, you know, the warnings as a whole had to turn back to him, to Yahweh, had gone unheeded. They was just disregarded. And this was a result of Yahweh's judgment. This pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, was just a tool that Yahweh used for the judgment against Judah. But Daniel understood something also. He understood Jeremiah 29.7, where it says, These were exiles. He says, Where the exiles in Babylon were told to seek the welfare of their captive city. They're in, they're in exile, and Yahweh's telling them to seek the welfare of your captive city. Pray to Yahweh on its behalf. Yahweh is saying, if this city prospers, if this pagan city, if this city that, that you're exiled to, if it prospers, you'll prosper, even though you're in exile. I read an article the other day. It says, according to the Bible... The longevity of a government is determined by its commitment to moral principles that, that Yahweh has dictated. When a majority of people abide by these principles, Yahweh blesses that nation with prosperity and longevity. He sends the Holy Spirit to prompt honest-hearted citizens to be good neighbors. The Holy Spirit helps people make good decisions because good decisions bring good results for individuals, families, and ultimately the nation. To ensure continuity for an oncoming generations, Yahweh raises up good leaders, and as a result of, of and the result is a good government that will prosper in, and endures. That's why King David wrote, Blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh, the people he chose for his own inheritance. From heaven, Yahweh looks down and sees all mankind 
From his dwelling place, he watches on all who live on the earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse, a symbol of military might back in the day when this was written, is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of Yahweh are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. You know, there's never been a kingdom on earth that was utopia. That's kind of what we're looking for. Everybody in the world is looking for this utopia, this, this, this place of, that everything's going to, be, going to be great. Even if you look at uh, ancient civilizations like, like Greece and Rome and Egypt or whatever, they had their zenith, okay? But even when, to get to that point, what had to happen? A lot of people died to get to that point. A lot of people were displaced to get to that point. And it still wasn't utopia for everybody. The problem is, is people. We're the problem. This great country right here, the problem with this, this country is people. <laughs> the same with every other country. I'm going to read the scripture from, for you. It's out of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 14, if you want to follow along. <clears throat> Ezekiel 14, uh, starting with verse 12. Then the word came to me, saying, Son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, and I stretch out my hand against it, destroy its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, now, these were righteous men, wasn't they? Noah, Daniel, and Job. We know that. But it says, even though these three men were in its midst by their own righteousness, they could only deliver themselves, declares Yahweh. If I were to cause the wind, the wild beast, to pass through the land, and they depopulated it, and, became, and it became desolate, so that no one would pass through it because of the beast, though these three men were in their midst, as I live, declares Yahweh, they cannot deliver either their sons or their daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the country would be desolate. They couldn't even deliver their own kids, their own family. Or if I should bring a sword on that country and say, let the sword pass through the country and cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares Yahweh, they cannot deliver either their sons or their daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I should send a plague against this country and pour out my wrath and blood on it to cut off man and beast from it, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, as I live, declares Yahweh, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. They would only deliver themselves by their righteousness. That's pretty alarming, isn't it? Because we would like to think that we could Maybe this group, we could just kind of huddle together and, and hunker down and, and, and save, each, save each other. But it's not really that way. It's us, one-on-one -on -one with the Heavenly Father. Every one of us. Your parents can't save you. 
Your mother can't save you. Your grandparents can't save you. People of all nationalities, even this country, are inherently sinful. You know that? Our trust has to be in our Heavenly Father, not in an establishment, not in a church, not in a family, not in a, in a country. It has to be in the Heavenly Father alone. You know, I think we would have to be intentionally blind to not to see the hand of the Heavenly Father working in this country. It is so obvious when you read story after story of, of great things that happened in the founding of this country, prayers that were prayed and deliverance that, was, that happened. And they all gave glory to the Heavenly Father. Story after story. I think you have to be intentionally blind not to see that. <clears throat> and, and some people, they're fixated on all the bad things. Have you ever done any bad thing in your life? That's the only thing I can remember about you, you know? That's how some people think about this country. That's all, they, that's all they point out is the bad things. Yes, this country has done bad things. Not this country, the people of this country. I've done bad things. I guarantee you, you've done some bad things because we are people. We do bad things. This is what we do. But why would you point out everything bad about a country? That's kind of like going, you know, everybody here got a mother? Yeah. yeah everybody here's got a mother. Okay. So on Mother's Day, what I'd like for you to do to celebrate Mother's Day is just to, to bring up, you know, Mom, you were so impatient when we was growing up, you know. Or you could say, you know, my mom, she was kind of a floozy, you know. You can bring out all the bad things about your mother. Would that be appropriate? Probably not. What about your wife? Anniversary, bring out all the bad things. Just, just harp on those bad things all the time. That wouldn't be appropriate, would it? That's history. And that, but that's how some people are. That's all they, they want to bring up, all the bad stuff that's happened in, in, in years ago. There's going to be mistakes made. I'm going to continue to make mistakes. This country is going to continue to make mistakes. You know that? Other countries are going to continue to make mistakes. <clears throat> some of them are going to be Horrific. Some countries, some people make horrific mistakes. Mistakes that, that have long-lasting consequences for years to come. I read something the other day. It says that a certain level of nationalism is not wrong. In fact, it's one way we can be good to the community in which we reside. We can send our sons and our daughters to defend our community, pay our taxes to support it, and honor that which is honorable in it. But as followers of Messiah, we must keep in mind that the earthly nationalism is fleeting. Heavenly citizenship, citizenship is forever. Our greatest loyalties and our primary obligations are to the kingdom that will never pass away. When certain national policies align with biblical principles, listen to this real carefully. When certain national policies align with biblical principles, it's easy to subconsciously substitute nationalism for faith in Yahweh and expend our zeal and passion on the wrong thing. Despite how noble our nation may be, it did not pay the penalty for our sin. It cannot promise us eternal life. 
Some of these things merge. Some of these issues, some of these policies do merge. But Yeshua is the one who paid the ultimate price for us, not this, not this country. Anna's grandfather, on her dad's side, years ago, he went to jail because he wouldn't let his kids salute the flag. That sounds pretty bizarre, doesn't it? But he went to jail for not, for not saluting the flag. Now, I looked, and I could not find... I'm not saying it's not out there. I couldn't find it. Any other country that, like, salutes the flag and has a, has a pledge of some sort. I, I really... I just couldn't... I mean, I looked. I couldn't find it. Now, I'm not saying it's not there, but I couldn't find it. But anyhow, he, 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 he went to jail because he wouldn't let the kids say the pledge. Well, the original pledge of allegiance was written in 1892. And it read, I pledge allegiance to my flag and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's how it read. Later it was, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. That was added later, that portion of the United States. He didn't want people, you know, pledging allegiance to any, any flag here in this country. So he had to put the United States in there. But that's, what it, that's how it read, and that's the reason he went to jail. He said, I'm not, I'm not pledging allegiance to a flag or to a country. I think he understood that he wasn't of this world. His, his allegiance went to the Heavenly Father. It wasn't until 1954 that the words under God were added. It's quite some time later, isn't it? From 1892 to 1954. A Presbyterian minister, George Darchery, who pushed for this change, thought that the wording would be broad enough under God that would include Jews and Muslims, that they would not feel left out if it was worded like that. That's just a little history that I learned about the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Now, the point is that the Pledge's current rendering subjects this country under the Almighty, where it should be. And I think we acknowledge that. We have the freedom to serve Yahweh. It's one of the main reasons this country was founded. The freedom to serve Yahweh in the manner we feel that we should. That was the reason this country was founded. So what is Yahweh's idea of this world? You ever think about it? Isaiah 40, 15, it says, All nations are like a drop in a bucket. You take all the nations, they're like a drop in a bucket, like a speck of dust. We're not as big as we think we are. We're not as strong and powerful as we think we are, huh? Verse 17, it says, All nations are nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Yahshua, before Pilate, he says, My kingdom is not of this world. This is his very words. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would be fighting. My servants, my disciples would be fighting that I might not be delivered to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. 
So where's our allegiance line? You know, we need to be involved in electing men and women to serve in our, as our government representatives. I, I agree 100%. We need to be involved. And we need to be involved in passing laws and policies. But there is a... It, it, it's a weird deal. It, it's one thing to pass laws and policies regarding interstate commerce or, or dealing with roads. But we're not going to correct moral issues with, with political policies. It will never happen. Now, we can try to make laws in, in, to deter some, some behavior, but it will never work. You're never going to make policies. You have to change hearts. You've got to change people's hearts. That's how you, that, and then there wouldn't be no, no need for policy. So if people's hearts were in the right place, we wouldn't have to have laws concerning abortion, would we? Because there would be no abortion. We wouldn't have to worry about that. If people's hearts were in the right place, we wouldn't be fighting this LBG, uh, TQ, whatever it is, all these issues. I don't know what they're going to do when they run out of the alphabet. <laughs> L1, L2, whatever. But if people's hearts were in the right place, so do you think a policy is going to correct that issue? It's not. A policy is not. It's, it may buy us a little time. It may buy us a little time, which is fine. You know, if, if, if people's heart were in the right place, we wouldn't need laws against drunk driving, would we? We wouldn't need that. People wouldn't be driving drunk. They would inherently do what was right. Or human trafficking. We need to be changing hearts, people's hearts and minds in that realm. Speaking out, speaking the truth against all this evil. I'm not saying not speak out. I am saying speak out. There's always going to be people. It sounds good, but it's never going to happen because there's always people in rebellion to Yahweh's word. So we have laws. We have laws in the book. And what do these laws do? They deal with consequences for breaking the law. They don't change hearts. They don't change minds. But they just deal with the consequences. This is the consequence because you did this. This is going to happen. And you hope that the Heavenly Father speaks to the hearts at some point. So, you know what? This is not working out too good for me. I'm going to change my way of thinking. The only way to change these and solve these problems is the old message that's been spoken for thousands of generations. You've heard this many, many times. Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There's no policy change there. There's no new laws there. It's just a humbling and a submitting yourself to the Heavenly Father. You know, I get the impression sometimes that some people believe it's Yahshua's will, Yahweh's will for this country to continue because of all the good that we've done or, or the good that it stood for or its founding, you know, how it was founded. That's why we're going we're gonna to continue on because we're founded on good principles. And if that's the case, 
then the world would have to continue as well then, wouldn't it? If this, if this country continued, the world would have to continue. And if that's the case, then Yahweh's return would be postponed, wouldn't it? Why would Yahshua delay his return? Why would we want Yahshua to delay his return? I'm asking you a question. Why do you want Yahshua to delay his return? Okay. I think that for many of us, our ease of life and our worldliness is the reason we want this world to continue as we know it to continue. Because we're having a good time here on this ball of dirt. And we don't want his return to continue because I got some things I need to do. I got some things to accomplish in this life. So I don't really want him to come back quite yet. Sometimes I think we forget what the Apostle Paul told the Philippians. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Master, Yahshua Messiah. Are you eagerly waiting for the return of the Most High? Are we anxious for his, you know, I learned a long time ago to never tell your kids you're going to go to Six Flags or vacation. Never tell them until you're leaving that morning <laughs> because they will wear you out wanting to know. They, the concept of time does not matter to them. They have no concept, and so they will just wear you out. They're anxious. They're eagerly waiting. But I got a feeling that sometimes we're not eagerly waiting. I think we're just... We're, we're stuck in this, in, this, in this world and we have these things we want to accomplish. In Hebrews eleven thirteen, 13, it says, All these died in faith. Talking about the, the, the faithful of old, the saints of old, without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. <laughs> strangers and exiles. Do you feel like a stranger? Do you feel like, an, like you're in exile? Verse 16, he says, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, Elohim is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. First Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen race. You, if you're following the Most High, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A people for Yahweh's own possession. Why? Why are we a, a holy nation and a people for his own possession? That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's the reason why. Because we're supposed to be proclaiming. And we may actually have to use some policies in a corrupt government to do that. Proclaim his excellencies, of him who has called us out of darkness. That's the reason I think that Yahshua is delaying his, his return, that we might proclaim him globally. Peter goes on to say in verse 11 that we are strangers and, alien in this, and aliens in this world. You know, Yahweh's people, regardless of where we live, 
in this country or another country. Just think about, just think about it globally. We're one nation. We are one people. There's exiles all over. In Australia, there's exiles. In Germany, there's exiles. Everywhere you go, in every country you go, there's exiles. There's Yahweh's people that are strangers and aliens, even though, and we don't even know them. When you think about that way, they're, they're our brothers and sisters, and we don't even know them. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, Yahweh is compassionate, and he's gracious, slow to anger, and abounded in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, listen carefully. Do not let this one fact escape your notice. If you notice anything, don't let this fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with Yahweh, one day is like a thousand years. One day, time is, he's kind of like the kids on the opposite end. You know what I'm saying? One day is a thousand years. And a thousand years is this one day. Yahweh's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Yahweh's desire for us to come to repentance, for his people, his creation to come to repentance, is why he's delaying his return. It's not that we can keep playing. It's not for us to have a good old time. I like to have a good time. I'm not saying we shouldn't, I shouldn't, I'm not saying we should go around, he's not coming back yet, today's terrible, oh, bummer. You know, I'm not saying that. We should be living life to the fullest. We should be producing. We should be productive while we're here on this earth. But this is the reason I feel like we're just one of his tools. This country is just one of his tools. Just like Babylon was one of the tools that Yahweh used. But this is not the end game. Maintaining this country is not the end game. He hasn't, you know, hasn't allowed this country to succeed and to prosper just so that we could have ease of life and, and build our own empires. It's not, it's, not for, it's not for that purpose. If our hearts are aligned with his, then his passion should be our passion. Should Yahweh's passion be our passion? We need to find out what he's passionate about then, don't we? He's passionate about changing hearts. I know that, and I think you know that. He's passionate about changing hearts. If our passion was his passion, we, we would long to reach out to others. And, and you know, I've prayed many times to have a, 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 a compassionate heart and one that has a, 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 a desire for lost people. Matthew 9, 36 and, 36, uh, 36 and 38 says, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great. And that was way back then. You think it's probably the same today, isn't it? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. We're supposed to be a part of this great commission. You know that? To tell the good news to the world. To have a passion for the lost. 
knowing that Yahshua's return is imminent, and we only have a short window, a short time, to speak the good news. I think this is why this country is being prolonged. I think this is why Yahshua is delaying his return, that we might be out working for his, for his goodness. Turn with me, if you will, to Second Peter. Second Peter 3, 10. <clears throat> says, But the day of Yahweh will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening of the day of Elohim, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace and spotless and blameless. Are we getting this? And regard the patience of our master to be salvation. Regard the patience of our master to be salvation. Now think about it. He's patient. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's holding back. Why? For salvation. Not that we can maintain what we got, but for salvation of others. Salvation of you. Salvation for your children, your grandchildren. That's, that's what he's, he's waiting for. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Looking for and hastening. Are you looking for every morning? Do you think, man... Is this the day? You ever think about that? One of these days, he's gonna, he is really going to come here. This is really going to happen. Hurry up. You know what? I bet you in some of those prisons in China, North Korea, there's a little more, urgent, there's a little more urgency about the Heavenly Father coming because they're under persecution. You know, we read in Revelation where it talks about, they're talking about how long, how long are you going to wait? And it goes on to just a little longer, just a little longer. How long is it going to be? In Jude, it says that we are to be waiting anxiously. We are to be waiting anxiously, having mercy on some who are doubting. Have you ever doubted? Absolutely you have. Having mercy on some who are doubting and saving others, snatching them out of the fire. <laughs> you, ever, you ever think about that? Saving others, snatching. You're, you're, you're part of that salvation process of your neighbor. Snatching them out of the fire. It was a, that was a close one. We about lost one. Snatching them out of the fire. Think about it. This commission is to all the followers of Yahshua. This commission, and that's what I believe strongly is why Yahweh is delaying his return, that we might be a witness. And it could be in the political realm. I'm not saying it can't 
be in that realm. I'm not saying we should be involved in that realm, no doubt. But don't think that we can't fall. All great countries fall. We all have an expiration date. Every country, every human has an expiration date. And it's according to his will. <clears throat> we should be like the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 1 it says, I am hard pressed in both directions. He's torn in two directions. Trying to make a decision here. Having the desire to depart this world to be with Yahshua would be much better. I'd rather just check out and be with Yahshua. That's what Paul, evidently, you know, Paul's, he, he's, he's getting persecuted. He's seen everything that's going on. They're under Roman rule. It's not, not just a, you know, a cakewalk there where he's at. He's got people threatening his life. So, I, man, it just, just to take me away, be with Yahshua, that'd be, that'd be great. But to remain here in the flesh is more beneficial for your sake. He's talking to the Philippians. If I stay here in the flesh, it's really going to be better for you guys. That I might share in your progress, in your joy, in the faith. I'm going to be here, even though I'd like to go with Yahshua, I want to be here and, 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 and share with you. I want to still be here and I want to encourage you. I want, to, I want to point you in the right direction. I want to be part of, of your joy and faith. So what's the takeaway in all this? My words today. I want me and you to pray for and be involved for your city, for your country, and promote righteousness for its success. That's what we should be doing. Promote righteousness for this country's success, this city's success. But never mistake nationalism for faith. Don't confuse the two. Remember that we are aliens and we're strangers in this world. This country and, and this world or, or any country is not our destination. Even this city, even... Never, never say, I, I found out something too. Another thing, I'll just learn a few things every now and then. Never say, well, we'll probably grow old and die here. <laughs> it just, every time I say that, I end up moving. So, you know, it's just, uh, never, never say that. <clears throat> Yahweh, remember that Yahweh's orchestrating all the kingdoms of this world, even this great country here, Yahweh is orchestrating when they rise and when they fall for his own purpose. Never elevate your city or your country above the kingdom of the Most High. Never elevate this country above the kingdom of, of the Most High. There are so many things in our law, in our constitution that relate directly to the Bible. You know that? Matter of fact, and all throughout the country, you know, in our, in, our, in our courthouses, the Ten Commandments used to be displayed. A lot of these things, all, if you go to our capital, you'll see, you'll see scripture everywhere. 
So, so we, we have an integral part, unlike a lot of other countries. They don't, they don't have this. Remember to be active, reaching out, knowing that his delay is for the salvation of others. He's delaying. He's tapping the brakes. He says, well, I'm not going to come back quite yet. There's still some time. If y'all guys would hurry up and start saving some people, maybe he would hurry up and come back. You think about that. <laughs> Focus on changing hearts more than changing policies. Yeah, we need to be working in that realm as well. But we have to change hearts. You've got to change hearts. We don't need to be making more laws. You know, the only reason you have laws to begin with is because people are bad people. If people were good people, you wouldn't need no laws. If it inherently did what was right, you wouldn't need laws. Just be active. Whatever way Yahweh calls you to be active. God bless.